A final report is available from the government in the Lori Vallow and Chad Day Bell matter. Coincidence or just creepy facts in the Delphi arrest? Nicholas Cruz gets to hear the pain he's caused, as if he didn't already know. An example of how not to act in court. A mother of the year contestant. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day. This is Crime Talk, and my name is Scott Reich. Thanks for watching. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Hit that little bell so that you receive notifications of when we go live or put up new content. And remember, you can always listen to us on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Now, before we get to the docket, quick reminder, it's Tuesday. That means we're going to go live tonight, 6 p.m. Mountain Time an opportunity for you to ask questions. What will we be discussing? Well, we're going to be talking about Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, the whole competency issue. And then we're also going to talk about the Delphi matter. So join us at 6 p.m. Mountain Time right here. Let's get to the docket. Let's go ahead and open the record for November 1st of 2022. All right. The prosecution has stated that the CAST system final report is done and it's available for discovery uh, by the defense in the Lori Vallow, Chad Day Bell matters. Well, what is the CAST report? What could they possibly be referring to? Well, that is the FBI um, cellular analysis survey team. Now, what is all that? Now, as you may recall, there's going to be a lot of cell phone data and tracking that the prosecution is going to try to get into evidence. All right. And the FBI cellular analysis uh, survey team is promoting a new methodology that um, they claim is greatly going to improve the precision of the historical cell phone sector analysis. You know, so you have three towers and they do a little triangulation and try to determine where the cell phone is. Well, like I said, the FBI, they're trying to say we can do better. Well, let's talk about it a little more. All right. Now, the FBI cast says it can dramatically enhance location accuracy using the historical cell site sector information plus timing information inherent in a cellular network. And because historical GPS or other precise location data is not typically collected and stored on a cell phone or by the network, the reliability and accuracy of the FBI cast enhances cell site analysis based on cell sector plus timing and power information is unknown. So to be clear, the FBI cast enhanced cell site analysis is not a location information that is calculated in real time from a burst of GPS data sent by the cell phone or a hybrid of available GPS data and network collected from three or more cell phone towers. Cast relies on historical signal data that a network measures and calculates for purposes other than providing its customers with precise location information. Traditional historical cell sector analysis is not precise. It provides a cell site sector as the location for the target phone. Now, accuracy is limited to the radius of the serving sector, which is typically measured in miles. 
CAST says it can increase location precision with a timing band primarily based on the time it takes a signal to travel from a cell tower to a cell phone and back. A typical timing band involves one cellular tower. The cellular industry, however, considers the accuracy of time banding to be poor and highly variable on different environments. The FBI cast teams claims that it can provide a pinpoint location uh, based on the RTT data. Now the cellular industry considers the accuracy of RTT location data to be low, primarily because the signal travels multiple paths. Even when cast lacks network timing information, it maintains that it can accurately create a cell phone footprint. So what does this really mean? Well, there's been challenges to this new technology put forward by the FBI and their CAST team. And there's been challenges under FRI, which is the standard in which uh, new scientific evidence should be limited to coming into court because it's not reliable. And there's been a couple of cases. And in one case, the circuit court rejected as unscientific the FBI's attempt to map the historical signal footprint of voice calls within a sector primarily based on a survey of signal measurements collected during a drive test 10 months after the fact. Big win for the defense. So this CAST report, like I said, the cell phone data is going to be so critical in this case. We've talked about trying to get that information in. Once you get it in, you have to have basically an expert explain what it means. Well, somebody on the defense is probably going to have to file some motions saying this is unreliable. This is not an exact science and that the prosecution should not be allowed to opine as to the accuracy of when these calls took place and their specifically their location. So we'll see how this plays out. We'll talk about Mr. Pryor, who's counsel for Chad Daybell. He apparently may not have looked into any of this. Obviously, the final report is uh, being released, but you're going to need an expert to look at it. You're going to need an expert to testify that it's unreliable junk science. And if they don't challenge it, guess what? The prosecution is probably going to get it in. And if the defense hasn't challenged it, guess what? It's ineffective assistance of counsel on any post-conviction relief matters. This is why I personally think Mr. Pryor needs to jump ship at this point let court-appointed counsel get on there so that the resources can be available so that everybody is not doing this trial again in five years. Hell, we may do be doing the first trial in five years at the pace that things are going. All right, we'll talk about that more this evening. And next on the docket, you know, coincidence or just really weird, creepy stuff in the Delphi matter? Well, the Indiana pharmacy technician charged with murdering two teenage girls in 2017 processed the family's photos while working at CVS, but refused to accept payment. Now, Richard Allen was arrested on Wednesday and charged uh, two days later with killing 13-year-old Abigail Williams and her friend Liberty German in February of 2017. On Monday, the grandmother of Libby, a woman by the name of Becky Patty, told the press that Allen once processed photos for the family at the CVS store in Delphi where he worked. He did not charge them for the photos, she added. Now, asked whether the free photo processing rumor was true, Patty replied, that is 
accurate. Now, pressed on whether she knew it firsthand, she replied, that is correct. We know that. Now, Mr. Allen worked as a pharmacist at the store, a pharmacist tech to be more accurate, and a statement from CVS Pharmacy said that the company is shocked and saddened to learn that one of their employees was arrested as a suspect in these crimes, and it says that the company uh, states that they stand ready to cooperate with police investigators in any way that they possibly can. Um, CVS continued saying that they remain devastated by these murders, and our heart goes out to the German and Williams families. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, the two girls had gone for a walk together along a bridge in Delphi, Indiana, but failed to show up to meet their parents. They were documenting their walk on Snapchat and police released grainy footage of a man walking towards the two and then, and a voice in the distance. The killer long has been presumed to be the unidentified man seen approaching German and Williams when they were crossing the uh, Monon High Bridge uh, in the woods outside Delphi in February of 2017. Now, the bridge is located just a few miles away from Allen's home, which is also just a half mile from the middle school uh, that the two teen girls attended. Now, Libby had shared a snap on Snapchat of herself walking along the railroad tracks on the day of her murder with the social media updates causing a sensation that made the case one of the most um, unsolved notorious cases in the United States. Now, the girls' bodies were found about a half mile from the bridge, and the bodies of the teenage girls were apparently found close to the bridge the day after they vanished, and several suspects were named over the years, but no arrests were made until last week. Now, the case has somewhat haunted the Delphi community, which has homed about 3,000 people ever since. And on Monday, the owner of the bar in Delphi, where Mr. Allen uh, used to drink with his wife, Kathy, uh, stated that he was obviously shocked by the arrest. So this bar owner, former bar owner, Bob Matlock, he owned the JC Bar, which closed back in December of 21, said that Allen posed for a photo in front of the wanted picture. And he stated, I just couldn't believe it when they said that they had arrested Allen. Um, he went on to say that, well, that can't be Rick, we know. And then to come to find out that it turned out it was the guy that they knew. They wouldn't have had any inkling to anyone that knew him that he would expect him to do something like this. He just didn't seem like that type of guy. What is that type of guy? Can you tell? Hmm. Well, Mr. Matlock also said that Alan and his wife um, has considered them as good friends who are active in the community, and they also participated in the bar's pool league. He said they were all sitting around at the table, we're having a pool night and just having fun. We were snapping pictures and everything kind of happened. He said and explained that Alan posed in front of the wanted sketch. Every business in town had one of those sketches up. It just happened to be he was sitting there the whole time. But he also stated that he didn't think that uh, Rick, Mr. Allen, looks like that guy in the sketch at all. He also went on to state that many patrons around town come in for breakfast or lunch, and everybody would say, Christ, that doesn't look like anybody, or it could be anybody. So it's unclear when and where the photo of Alan in the uh, sketch was taken. But we do know the version of the uh, suspect sketch in the image was not released until April of 2019, so the photo would have been taken at least two years after the murder. Mr. Matlock, the bar owner, said that basically everyone discussed this case, uh, but he didn't want to go into detail as they knew the families of the victims. And he stated that uh, 
he would come around and he would always talk about the girls and everything. That's Mr. Allen would. The guy has been charged. And the bar owner would say that they would carry on conversations about it. And he would say, you know, it's such a tragedy. And we'd say, yeah, we felt sorry for the families and all that, but we tried not to talk about it too much because we all knew the families. They were friends with the families. So Mr. Allen is due back in court on January 13th of 2023, and a uh, tentative or presumptive trial date is now set for March 20th of 2013. And Mr. Allen doesn't appear to have any prior criminal records at all. And so you have to wonder, is it just coincidence that he just happened to know the family, meet them at the CVS, don't charge him for, for information, takes the photo uh, with the sketching of the suspect in the background, just weird coincidence or just weird, creepy stuff. Like somebody was almost saying, you're not going to catch me. It's interesting, interesting. Now, a couple people were upset because there was a photo of Mr. Allen um, and his daughter posing in the same spot where the teenage victims were last seen alive. Uh, a couple of people commented, said, gee, Scott, why are you putting this up? Uh, well, guess what? The family put it up on Facebook. So they put it out there for the world to see. So I get it. The family is not accused of doing something. But once again, is it something of some sort of evidentiary value? You know, like they always go back to the crime scene and he's almost taking some sort of weird pride in that he's right back there and not a suspect in any way. I don't know. So the daughter, Brittany Zampanta, is uh, pictured posing on the Monon High Bridge. Now, the photo was posted by Mr. Allen's wife, Kathy, back in 2018, just about a year after the girls disappeared. It's unclear exactly when the photo was taken, and the arrest of Mr. Allen could be the end of a year-long investigation during which numerous possible leads have led nowhere, and the police have obviously remained very tight-lipped about this case. Now, exactly how the girls died still unknown to the public, and the state of their bodies, how they were discovered, also remains a mystery. Now, details, now some details were released when a search warrant uh, was released and it revealed that Libby and Abigail were found covered uh, in blood and that their killer appeared to have taken a souvenir of some sort from the murder site. No further details on what that souvenir was, although the affidavit uh, it did say that the rest of the clothing was recovered, implying that the alleged killer had taken something they had been wearing. Now, the murder also reportedly staged the girls' bodies in a particular way after the killing, although, once again, it remains unclear exactly what he allegedly did. Now, investigators believe photographs or videos were likely shot on the grotesque setup to memorialize the crime scene. And the 2017 murder of Abby and Libby became notorious after investigators released the chilling footage of the girls recording the man following and approaching them across the bridge. Now, this heavy-built man in jeans and blue jacket can be seen approaching the young ladies. And in a brief snippet of audio that was released, the man could be heard saying to the girls, down the hill. Full clip is reportedly 43 seconds long, but its contents are believed to be a little too disturbing to share for everybody. I'm a firm believer in release it. Court's going to do what the court's going to do. Now, as we mentioned yesterday, and we've talked about this over the years, numerous people have been put forth as possible suspects in this case. There was Ron Logan, but he died back in 2020. He apparently been a prime suspect. The girl's bodies were discovered on his property, just about 1,400 feet from his house. And it was revealed the summer that all this took place that his alibi for the day didn't line up. His home was searched 
and he was arrested shortly after the killings, but he was released and never charged. Now, the voice in the clip was described as being, quote, not inconsistent, end quote, with that of Mr. Logan, according to the FBI's own investigation. Now, a brief clip of the man walking toward the girl on the trail was released as well. Um, now, a, another guy by the name of Keenan Klein of Peru, Indiana, was also previously named as a suspect, but no arrest of him either. And he apparently has admitted to talking to Libby German using a fake Instagram profile called Anthony Shots. And Klein is heavy set and pasty faced, used um, an image of a ripped and muscular young man to trick underage girls into speaking with him. He is said to have actually arranged to meet with Libby on the Delphi uh, Bridge the day before she was murdered while walking along it. Now, he is also said to have shared his Anthony Schatz password with others, including his father, and uh, said his father, heck, could be a prime suspect as well. Now, Klein is held in jail on separate charges and never been charged. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, Mr. Allen, his attorneys are going to have a lot to work with as far as an alternate suspect goes, unless there's some overwhelming evidence that the police have but they're holding it pretty close to their vest. And it makes you really wonder why, if it's so overwhelming, tell the world why they think they got the wrong guy after they've kind of looked at a bunch of other guys as well, that they got it wrong. I think they should release the information. Let me know what you think. Next on the docket, Nicholas Cruz gets to listen to everybody tell the world what a horrible person he is <laughs> and the pain that he's caused like he doesn't already know that, right? Remember Nicholas Cruz, he was spared the uh, death sentence by a um, three jurors out of 12 that thought that he did not warrant the uh, death sentence for the Parkland shooting case because, you know, he'd had a rough childhood and maybe some mental health issues. Well, many of those family members who spoke today slammed the jury decision not to sentence Mr. Cruz to death. A gentleman by the name of Max Shader, S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-R. I'm sure if I mispronounce that, somebody will let me know. Uh, well, his son was killed in the massacre, and uh, he tore apart the defense argument that Mr. Cruz suffered from a difficult childhood, as he and others uh, claimed. The 24-year-old uh, uh, got exactly what he wanted. So while the jury in Cruz's month-long penalty trial did not find that there were aggravating factors, like the murder being especially heinous, atrocious, and cruel, and committed in a cold, calculated, and premeditated manner beyond a reasonable doubt, that's right, because three of those jurors didn't think that that was just enough to sentence him to death. So under Florida law, a death penalty requires unanimity, which means everybody has to agree. Just one, it's life without parole. Well, Judge Shearer is uh, now expected to formally sentence Cruz to life in prison without parole on Wednesday after every victim's family members finally gets their chance to address Mr. Cruz directly. Now, the hearing descended into a little bit of a chaos when the defense attorneys claimed that they were being verbally attacked by the parents. It came as Mr. Shatner sought to destroy the defense's argument in his victim impact statement, suggesting the Parkland uh, shooter did not in fact, slip through the grid. He was on medicine after medicine. Uh, Mr. Shatner said uh, he's on medicine now, but he still wanted to kill. Now, the father uh, went on to describe the various services that were offered to Mr. Cruz before he committed the deadliest school shooting in America. 
Uh, he received more than most kids in America will ever receive. He went on to say that Mr. Cruz did have love in his life. He even had a girlfriend, Mr. Shatner noted, but you can't fix evil. Mr. Shatner also slammed the defense for suggesting uh, Cruz committed the heinous crimes due to his mental illness, noting that many others in the country suffer from mental illness, but don't go on a murder spree. Um, he said that the murder was well-planned out, researched, planned, premeditated. He wanted to do this. This was an act of pure evil. This wasn't someone who fell through the cracks, and you know it. He's a sociopath who does not deserve to live amongst the rest of us, Mr. Shatner said. He claimed that Mr. Cruz wanted to get life in prison, and when he gets there, he's going to fall in love. He's going to get to receive fan mail, and we call this punishment? Well, afterwards, the defense attorneys felt they needed to defend themselves, saying they did their constitutional duty, which they did. I mean, frankly, I mean, I'm a defense attorney, and I've always said, if you don't like what takes place in court, guess what? The burden was on the prosecution. The prosecution failed. Maybe they didn't get the, the right feeling from particular jurors. I don't know, but the prosecution failed. The attorneys were doing their job. You may not like it. I get it. I was not particularly pleased with this result. Shocked, frankly. At what point do you should you lose the right to spend the day amongst the civilized, right? I don't know. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. The family's going to vent. They're not going to get the justice that they think that they deserve. And unfortunately, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Mr. Cruz will spend the rest of his life in prison. He'll probably get some, you know, jailhouse bride, thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, say that he's changed, he's a good guy now. And, uh, you know, if the world just knew him better, that, you know, they'd understand why they're in love. I can see it now. I don't know. I feel sorry. My heart goes out to the victims, the victims' families. But I understand your pain, your frustration. You can vent, you can yell, you can do whatever. It's not going to make a difference. Which takes us to our next story. How not to act in court. Take a look at this video. Things got a little tense in a Louisville, Kentucky courtroom when a brawl broke out at the end of a hearing. Now, Mr. Paul Wade is accused of killing Lamont Smith and Alexis McCray back on September 10th. As you can see, the family of the victim are not happy with Mr. Wade. But guess what? You can't act that way in court, okay? They're going to be banned from future court appearances. Just not good, okay? Um, just saying. You just can't do it. You can't do it. I, I get it. I've had family members in cases where they've shown up with sharp, sharp objects hoping to get at somebody that they got through metal detectors. I get it. But you got to let the process work. It's called due process. You may not like it. I get it. You'd like to take them out behind the courthouse and take care of it. You can't. That's what separates us from the good guys and the bad guys. All right. Now, before we go on, let's talk about crimetalksearch.com. Please go sign up for a background subscription service so that you can do a background search on as many people as you want while you have the subscription. And when you go to Crime Talk Search, you sign up for that subscription. You can literally do as many searches as you want, and the search will be done while you wait. 
And that report is going to be generated. It's going to show criminal history. It's going to show property records, civil judgments, divorce decrees. So if somebody's saying, oh, yeah, I'm divorced, yeah, you betcha. Check it out. Trust but verify, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know. Are they on some sort of registry? Check it out. Do they have criminal charges pending? What were the nature of those criminal charges? Are they telling you the truth? Trust but verify. Go to crimetalksearch.com. You'll be happy you did. Next on the docket, another Mother of the Year contestant. That's right. I hope if anyone hires this next Mother of the Year contestant to babysit their children, that they do a background search on them to see if, I don't know, she's got any child abuse cases against her. That's right. This Arizona mother was arrested after leaving her five-month-old child alone to go out drinking in the middle of the afternoon. Because apparently Claire Margaret Meacham, although she's only 23, old enough to have a child, apparently she has a drinking problem that she couldn't uh, help herself. Well, she was busted on the charge of driving under the influence, and then she got a charge of child abuse as well about 2.20 in the afternoon. Police received calls about this possible drunk driver. Uh, once they made contact, she's arrested, she's handcuffed, and then the young mom kind of told the police, um, hey, I might have left my baby home alone. Well, needless to say, the police, doing the good guy thing that they do, drove to Miss Meacham's home in East Mesa, Arizona, and could actually hear the infant's frantic cries from outside the house. Oh my goodness. Well, needless to say, the police were able to get the footage taken from uh, Miss Meacham's doorbell camera, and it showed that she had left the home about 12.44 p.m., abandoning her child for a little over two hours before the police caught up with her completely intoxicated. Now, the child, fortunately, was not injured and was placed in the custody of a family member. Let's hope she never gets it back unless and until she can prove that she is sober and um, not a danger to that child. Hopefully she doesn't go apply for any daycare positions either. That's why you need crimetaxsearch.com. Just saying. Hey, our dumb criminal of the day. You know, there's something about Halloween. People just dress to um, release their inner self, so to speak. Please meet Dominic Salazar. He was booked in the uh, county lockup about 3.20 a.m. on a f an assortment of felony and misdemeanor charges in California. He's being held on a $55,000 bond. Now, the six foot 293 Salzar was wearing a Halloween costume when photographed by jail personnel. The whiskey outfit, which retails for about 45 bucks, is 100% polyester intended for adults of legal drinking age, according to the Fireball website, which notes that Halloween is all about letting out your wildest dreams and letting them come true. So this year, become a human-sized fireball bottle. All right, well, obviously things got a little carried away. Didn't feel it was necessary for Mr. Salazar to take off his fireball costume before the booking photo was taking place. So I don't know who has the best sense of humor, the police or Mr. Salazar. But either way, Mr. Salazar, you are a dumb criminal of the day because you were out there expressing yourself, your true self. Congratulations, it got you arrested. All right, that's all we have for you today. Hope you're having a wonderful day, not just a great day. Please join us 6 p.m. Mountain Time tonight. We'll answer all of your questions in the chat. And if you can't get them answered, you can always ask them in the Patreon show immediately following that. So we'll see you later this evening. Have a great day.